0: So, Dr. Draper, we are working through this dialogue, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just worth mentioning to people that what got us interested in this long intellectual history is we're really trying to deal with critical thought, and critical yeah. theory, and we were asking, so what's the background to this? How? So we went all the way back to God, which is a, a while. We had to go back a ways, but I think... We it, could have gone back to Plato. That, like we next series, next <laughs> series, we'll go back to Moses. Um, but But I think it's been helpful, as you and I have just talked about it, to say... Right. This is this this idea isn't just crop up in the middle of no just in the middle of World War One, the yeah. rubble of World War One. It's actually based on all of these precedents and ideas that set what you and I keep talking about, when we say like cosmic imaginaries and social imaginaries, that people have to have an imagination for the world they live in that all of a sudden for some reason critical theory makes sense. Yep. Right. Right. That's yes. social
1: imaginary, and then critical theory starts to provide you with that cosmic right. imaginary of well, this is this is how things actually
0: work. Right. This is how the universe actually works. And yeah. they tell that story. Which is really the seed bed, or the bed, you know, the bed for the seed yeah. that becomes now with critical race theory and critical feminist theory and LGBT. So this has been really helpful for me again too to go back and rehearse yeah. this. And today we want to look at one other key piece because if you were to say, if you were to look at critical theory, let's say from the Vienna School or from um, or from the New School, and they say critical theory is a combination of Marx and Freud, mm-hmm. right? So we what we were doing up till now is trying to get a sense of what Marx is doing, and then we had a nice conversation. I thought about Nietzsche about mm-hmm. the impact of this way of thinking. Yeah. Maybe some nihilism, existentialism. We're dealing with that, but now we got to backtrack just a just a smidge, and I think we got to get we got to get Freud on the table and yep. say, how does Freud contribute to this? When, yep. when a critical theorist says, once you once you read Freud and read Marx, bingo, you're yep. with the new school. That's
1: that's uh, that's Marcusa.
0: That's Marcusa. They're very yeah. clear about it. Yeah. Yeah. And in order to do that, and you and I chatted a bit. I think, and this is good. We could probably do a whole one on Darwin, but I think it is. we have agreed that it's sort of important to get something about Darwin because not. And, and listeners would know the obvious about Darwin evolution, but there are some framing that yeah. Darwin does that underlies his thought that's so important to the assumptions Freud's going to make. Yeah, that then leads to I think what we're going to see in critical theory. So precise. Yeah. So yeah, so we're going to we're going to backtrack a little bit and deal a little with Darwin um, and sort of unpack some of those ideas, and then sort of try to walk into what Freud is doing. And I think we want to be clear about the fact that Freud obviously is no longer. Quite relevant. Most of his ideas right. about psychoanalysis have been debunked in some way. But that's not, again, the important part of Freud. The important part of Freud is the is the view that he frames humanity and the psyche. And psychos- also how
1: Freud's used, right? Yeah. So, in other words, Freud might have been discredited uh, in many ways, but the way Frankfurt School will right. use him, and even to this day, the word
0: repression right. is still in the Vox Popular. Right, right. Uh, that's Freud. That's right. And and the thing there, and this is what I, I think we want our, our listeners to hear, is that the power of these thinkers was not necessarily the particulars of their theory, but it was the world, the cosmic imaginary, those terms we're using yeah. on this, that, that were created underlying it that become the assumptions. Where you go, well, that's obviously true about the world, which is just out of step with what we think of as a biblical worldview yes. or a Christian worldview. And then once you uh, take those assumptions, then it leads you down the road to social imaginaries like we need. We need a world where where gender is is, is a construct and, and you build that. So right, right. it's it's important to see it in that layers. We're not we're not being simplistic. It's just a set of beliefs that one adds to the other. It has a lot to do with how those larger frameworks get set. Yeah. And those ways of thinking and assumptions that lead us to a cosmic imaginary that lands us you know where we really see ourselves yes, today. Yes. Yes.
1: There's a there's a there's a genealogy. A genealogy, that, right? Yeah. That that we're trying to follow through and. I think if we look at Darwin, what Darwin does, uh, it's a radical shift mm. in the cosmic imaginary, yeah. in, because now you you can really create a materialistic and I air quotes scientific. <laughs> right, you just, didn't see it. My scare quotes. We're all watching. Right. It. I mean, because you could create a materialistic worldview in Greek philosophy, but in this I particular case, it. Darwin provides you with the possibility of creating this. In a scientific way, right. which is an Enlightenment thing, right? Right. And he gives you the uh, once he gets natural selection. So I think had Darwin sort of predated Jefferson, I'm not sure he would have said creator. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, so that I've heard scholars talk that there were a lot of people who were deists. They were probably really just practical atheists, but. Yeah. They didn't know what to do with some of this stuff, right? right? And right. so they still, well, there's a creator, and but the creator's this divine watchmaker.
0: Right, right. Right, and I think what's really important there, so what you said is really insightful, because what what the deists know prior to uh, George Lyell and this long pattern of geological change, which is what sort of sets up Darwin and then finally Darwin, is that if you do prima facie, just look at the world and see it, you see something that is so wildly complex that there mm-hmm. has to be an intelligence behind it, just... And your experience proves this. You, you can't, there's no causality you have in mind to explain the way that plants grow and things. It's just too wildly complex. Um, and the deist, I think you're right, says, oh, I love that the world works this way, but there are features here I can't explain. So I'll keep God around, and maybe that's the way they do yeah,
1: it. I'll kind of keep God in this transcendent box. Right. And
0: and he designed it. He must have. I get that. It makes right, sense. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right, And right. leave it there. Right. And this becomes, to me, the, the real power of Darwinism is that what what Darwin does, whether or not evolution is a is a viable theory or whether it's verifiable or whatever, what he's able to do is look at something where you would just first blush, say there has to be something more. And he says, actually, I can explain all of this and there's nothing more. Yeah. And once you do that, and this you and I have talked this way a lot about the idea of, of, of the classical view or the Christian worldview being an open universe, right? Yeah. Like that cosmic imaginary that there's a transcendent up there and we're working down here in a sense what darwin does takes a universe that's wild complex and just slaps the lid shut on the top of it. Yep. And goes now it's closed. Now since it's closed, now we're going to explore how all this fantastic complexity and and drama happens inside that closed box top. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah you're and I would say this even if you're listening to this and you are pro darwin or you know you you think of oh, these two christian guys are just going to beat up darwin. <laughs> no, I but I think we, whatever our worldview is we need to be open to the conversation of how it gets constructed that's right. mm-hmm. and and what's the genealogy the of the thought and then of course the implications right so um, and we can get to some of that later but I think there's a it, it would be dishonest mm. to say that Darwin didn't do this yeah, yeah. and that you know and, and whether he intended to do it or didn't <laughs> that's do not it, it, him, right? or that's it's it's the reality is that he, his theories provided people with ways of a new cosmic imaginary yeah, of yeah. this is how the new cosmos works. Right. And what I think what that does is it's, it, it's, it's not just science, right? It's mm. not just creative. I guess I can't even use that word, right? It's just, <laughs> but it's, it's now we're going to use We're going to apply Darwin to social issues right. and to personal issues right. Uh, and Marx was very clear about that. He really felt that that Darwin, as you said, is sort of this decoder ring, right? Yeah. Once, so now if it's a closed system, how do I rearrange the furniture in this closed system to finally deal with what Marx thought was right. the decoder ring problem, which was class exploitation right. and, and capitalism. Right. Um, and and you can keep doing that along the way. Right. Right? It's, it's, it's it's Marx. It's it's either economics, right. it's, it's sex, right. it's gender, it's
0: race, it's whatever, yeah. and if you can get this one. Right, and that's right, that's right. And So hopefully what you're hearing, and this is this is really important for understanding Darwin and Freud and the impact on our modern mind, because I think a lot of people come to Darwinism, and you said science, which is a really important thing to say. It's under this heading of science, and I also use scare quotes just in case my, our listeners couldn't see me do it, is the idea that somehow Darwin is the result of evidence, right? You look at evidence and you go, well... The evidence is so clear. I don't know what to do. It must be Darwinism. That that's really not quite the case. What and th- and I often make this argument with my students. If you look at the way science was held prior to Darwin, science was what we would consider a methodology, right? An inductive methodology. Yep. This is, um, you know, Karl Popper. Yep. And so Karl Popper, it's you. You start with an investigation of data. You build probability. You come with a theory. Then you go back and double check the data. That's always how science was done. Even in the Middle Ages, to some degree or another, it was done that way. Observation, that kind of thing. But what what Darwin does is, Darwin says, I don't have to know the data. I'm going to tell you how this works first and give you this wand that you can apply to any problem and actually have a chance of solving it. Mm. So so in other words, the problem here is, oh, sin, can't do much about that. There's a moral problem, gods, demons, devils, whatever, all of these causes outside of our control. Darwin doesn't prove evolution is true. What he says is, if I'm right about this Mm. and I give you this wand, you can look at any problem in society, and now you can actually go, oh, I bet you I can find the causes and solve this. So yep. what you do, it's a reductionism,
1: yep.
0: where you reduce the complexity down to, as you said, decoderate, which I think is right, down to a single causal factor, a single mechanism. And now you don't have to prove that it's right. I just assume that's my explanation for everything. Yep. And now when I see a problem or an unknown, I just take my wand out and I go, natural selection. Or I say, five billion years. Or <laughs> problems go away.
1: I can solve a problem by reverse engineering evolution. Right. Right. So if, if, if this is sort of uh, the way things have been going, uh, the sort of survival of the fittest, and there's been sort of an oppression of the fittest against the other, right. what happens if the, the lower group rises up? Right. Do I reverse engineer right.
0: evolution in a way? Right? Well, I think you, that's what Marx is trying well, to do. Well, you do, do Mark, and that's a great point, because what, what you're saying is this is the only operative mechanism. Because that's what Darwin's saying, right? The only operative mechanism is this environment species fighting other species for survival. If that's the case, I need to appeal to no other set of rules or patterns to that's fix right. the problem. Yeah. Because I have the decoder ring. Oh, this is just about that. So if I change that, all of this gets better. And so we imagine, and I think you see this in Mark, certainly, if you get this re-engineering right, because now you know the problem, we will end up with a utopic society. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you, you will. I mean, you you get uh you'll have some of
1: this even with uh, stoicism right that yeah, idea yeah. To, there's always this desire for some sort of utopia and right. how do we get there because everybody knows something's not right <laughs> right they just even the Hegelian knows it. that yeah they just know something's not right. right and and how do we fix that and what what darwin does is by closing the system and making it you know it's kosher now to be a materialist right. for, it, it, with darwin so now we need to use these material ways. And I think also, too, it makes sense for a Marxism to be a, a theory of praxis. Mm. Because mm. if it's all material, it's got to be That's something right. you do. That's right. You do something with material. Ideas are, right? are actions. Ideas have to lead to an right. action, right? right. So um, that, so ideas are important, but they're, they fall on deaf ears right. if they're not leading to actually sort of this reverse engineering right. in some
0: way. Right, and that's a great point, because that, that's something important for everyone to hear, is that with, if, if the world on Darwinism is correct, then anything abstract as an idea is, as Freud would have argued, and his uh, teacher, um, uh, Bucher would argue, is that ideas are produced by the brain the way bile is produced by you know, the gallbladder. Right. In other words, it's, a, it's an excretion, so don't get hung up in the excretion, look at the organ. Yeah. So in other words, and this is really important on materialism, and I say this is a magic wand, so let's take any problem we might have in society, crime, whatever. It's not the that someone gave someone an idea or a bad education. It's something material has gone wrong. Yep. And therefore, we have to fix the material. That's right. And once the material gets fixed, all these other things. So an idea right. is only the is only the outcropping of a material problem. That's right. So if you have an idea, let's say, about a god or about something, this is a Marxist idea, right, that religion, all of that is merely just a... A construct of a physical reality. You're poor, you're middle class, you're whatever. So the material is the cause of the idea, not the idea the cause of the exactly. it's, okay. it's, and it's yeah, it, that, that that's exactly what happens. And so um and
1: you can see where this idea gets in the hands of the wrong people. Right, right. And you get the Russian Revolution. Yeah. Right? And you are machine gunning
0: down the Tsar and their Hard hands. to say Hitler did not have a generally evolutionist perspective. and, and, and right. Right now, that let's make sure when you <laughs> this, this is not saying <laughs> if, if you're you an Darwin, there there's
1: a slippery slope to becoming a Nazi. That's that's not it. It's um, it's, but you can take it that way, right? And, and even people who are people
0: take Christianity the wrong way too. Precisely,
1: right? You could take. Uh, Jesus and, and all of a sudden think the kingdom is in the Roman Empire or in Western Europe and justify right, the, Crusades. The, late, the
0: late 19th century
1: Chinese Revolution the yep. uh, the revolt yeah them. so you can take any of these ideologies right. and use them to do heinous evil things um, and but there is a sense of what, what what creates a sort of morality and ethic in this right and of course there have been scholars even, even recently trying to argue ethics from an evolutionary yeah. perspective, um,
0: that would not justify mass murdering. <laughs> right, right. Oh, the, benevolence. Now, evolution's really about benevolence, right? Yeah, the, not uh, mass murdering the czar. The and the ants family. sacrifice for other ants, and thereby yeah. they learn the ethic because because kindness is more natural. I don't think polar yes. quite believes that, but yeah. So that, that, that that's doing in but
1: it. it can it can it can cut in that way, yeah, right? Sure, it can be sure. used in that way and has, right. just as Christianity has sure. as. Uh, you know, Pax Romana was used <laughs> right, that way. Right, right. So it's always, uh, and, and that's that's sort of maybe one of the things these theories don't get, hmm. is that the problem is actually much more complex that's than right. they that's want us exactly to, right. to believe. It's not just these material forces, but there's something else going on. Right. And that's one thing sort of the, the Augustinian Christian has in their back pocket. That's right. Uh, that, I think Probably it's worse than you think it is worse. about. It. Yeah, yeah. About it. It's if there if there is a if there is a doctrine that is scientifically
0: verifiable, this right. might be one of them. No, that's right. I, usually, when I deal with modernism, the overwhelming optimism that if we got rid of transcendent epistemology and metaphysics, that the, we could actually take the world's problems seriously and can solve them. And this is the, you, you know, this study in the nineteenth century even among Christians. Yeah, there was this concept that. If we, if we leave it to the transcendent, what the, what the medievals would have called voluntarism, then you you could do it all right, and God could say, plague, too bad, or yep. I don't like this. And and they always believed this open universe meant you never were fully in control. But once that box lid gets shut, yep. man, we can finally take, and this is what's funny, and I say to students, atheism makes a rise in Europe not on intellectual, but on moral grounds. Yep. Because it's not that atheism makes more sense intellectually. It means I'm willing to tackle social problems. Yep aggressively rather than throw my hands up and go well God's judging us yes yes and so and so you start to see you start to see in this optimism this utopianism this simplicity that I, that all of the great complex problems of humanity are now something in our hands to, to grasp which is why it gets very violent because yeah. they feel like they have the solution and they're not they're not well, able to enforce it yeah and so they become Violent. That's what you've seen a lot of revolutions, like the Russian Revolution. Yes, yes. It's a very right. optimistic, oddly enough, revolution.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and if you you sort of have this idea that we're going to re- reverse engineer evolution, right. well, who am I to who are you to stand in the way of cosmic progress? That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's dialectic. What are you going to Yeah. It's and so I think that's 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 not um, trying to throw Darwin under the bus, or it, it's just a reality of what that's happens. That's right? right. We just look at how how Darwin gets used and. Yeah. And I think even with our talk on Nietzsche, right? Nietzsche, even uh, who did he love? Who did he value? Well, it was the Übermensch, yeah. right? It was the it was the the, the person the who, of the evolutionary process. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, he his uh, his typology was Hercules, not that's Jesus. Right. That's right. Achilles... Jesus was the problem.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Uh, Jesus was was makes us weak and Much soft. Much better be
0: Pilate than Jesus.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah. So and again, it's that sort of evolutionary. Approach. That's right, that's right. And I think, too, Dan, the other thing we've got to be aware of is that as much as Western Europeans want to try to discard mm. Christianity, they can't fully shake it off. Right. So even the things that concern them in some ways are a product of that's Christianity. Right. Uh, when, when you're starting to be concerned about uh, slavery, when you're concerned about some of these issues, yeah. You don't get that from an Aristotelian worldview. No. In fact, in some ways, you've got to shake yourself out of an Aristotelian worldview to get to the place no. where you can actually start to take those ser- those no. problems seriously. It's certainly not from
0: a Darwinian worldview. And,
1: and, and yeah, exactly. You, no. You're not going. And then Darwin's going to take you in. So, even our Enlightenment, as, as as sort of anti-Christian as it could be, still had some Christian ethos to it. And, and I've said this to students where with Karl Marx, I mean in some regards, you've got to be a little infected by Christianity to even worry about the (laughs) the workers, right? right. right. Because, again, if your cosmic imaginary is Aristotle, and I know this is very hard for a listener to get because I'm asking you to think in a way that's That's absolutely foreign to you, but if if you can get into a time machine and go back to the world when it was an Aristotelian worldview, and you start talking the way you're talking today, yeah, they would think you've lost your mind. They had no space no, for that. Uh,
0: Do you so, want to
1: just say what you mean by Aristotelian just so we're not? Yeah, so Aristotelian meaning sort of the, the sort of chain of being, the hierarchy of right. being, yeah. and, the, and really the cosmic imaginary of Aristotle, yeah. which was very hierarchical. I mean, and teleological. Were, and... th- th- yes, there were natural slaves, and there was a telos for that. There was a purpose for that. And there were natural rulers, and there was a telos right, for that. Right. And, and, and this, this system is very fragile. You don't yeah, mess with right. it. You know, you start putting slaves in charge of stuff oh, and yeah. you you know, and so and and, and that ideology dominated yeah. throughout I mean I said this to somebody when you become known as the philosopher, you know you've made <laughs> you it, made it right, you're yeah. not just a philosopher,
0: yeah. you're the That's philosopher. That's like also having the last name of the great, which I think for a lot it works out well. Yes. Alexander Yeah. And- you know, I think it just it's a helpful last name to have. It, it could be if you're searching for last names.
1: If you're say, if you want that to be your surname, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. yeah. I see how it does. But, but that's, I mean, so that gives anyone sort of an idea of just how influential Aristotle yeah. is yeah, in right. the Middle Ages, particularly the later Middle Ages. Yeah, that's right. He is now known as the philosopher, and yeah. even Thomas Aquinas. What is yeah. he trying to do? He's trying to
0: yeah.
1: synthesize Christianity and Aristotle, and so, in, and even in our own country, when we look at the Civil War, many Southerners still saw, them, saw themselves in an Aristotelian way of looking at the world. So, it, it it's I think that's the other thing that's hard for people when we talk about the, the history of ideas that humans have this ability to have multiple ideas operating in their minds right. at the same time, and they can be contradictory. Yeah, but they can figure out a way. To kind of put this together and create a worldview for themselves, and 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 if you start to unpack it, you're like, well, what is Aristotle doing with Darwin and Marx? You know, and, and they're like, how'd that get there? <laughs> yeah, and, right. and so I think that's that's important for us to to realize is that when you're dealing with human construction of ideas, mm-hmm. and and sometimes too, the issues on the ground open up people to new ways of thinking. Sure, they're 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 suffering. The, the turmoil, the tensions, right. the fear, all of a sudden, hey, this sounds like a solution. Right. Um, I, I had a colleague once, um, he was a, a, a scholar. He, he had a, a PhD from Harvard, and he was talking about conversions. And he, we were talking about Augustine's Confessions, and then we had a conversation about conversions. And he said, generally, when you see a conversion of sort. At some point, the the worldview or the cosmic imaginary or the social imaginary that the person has momentarily is no longer sufficient mm. for what they're facing, mm. and then they're open to then the change
0: happens. They're right? at least
1: open to saying, "I might be wrong here right. because this isn't working," right. and so and I think that there's some I think there's some truth to that, no, right? just from a sort of a human nature's
0: so so that, that's good and let's so i think that's a great segue into just one other point i'd like to make because i think you're right let's let's say you're in a crisis um in the late 19th century or let's say world war one and you're trying yeah. to explain it because your social imaginary can't explain for dart which we'll get to freud because freud couldn't explain world war one on the, right. on the on the normal historical explanations um then you then you're open to explore something else and so what 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 are some of those ideas and i think some of those ideas that were, were ready present when people were struggling to explain something in world war one that they could go now their social matter is broken i can that makes sense to me and i, I often say to the students you know you may not like let's say marxism but you might think differently if you're a chinese peasant in the beginning of the 20th century
1: or a, jew in or, russia, right, or
0: a jew in Tsarist russia right or
1: a jew in Tsarist russia where programs are running through your neighborhood right. led by the Tsars. yeah people. and you
0: might may not you might not believe in natural law at that point because you're like no, that doesn't get me anywhere right i, right. I need a solution so one of the ideas I think that's really crucial to, Mar- to, to Darwin, which becomes crucial to Marx, and maybe it's at the same time, I don't know who's to get, I know in a sense, it comes from Johan from, you know, Herder and, and before, but I think it's crucial to understanding Darwin, because I think sometimes on the popular level, we misunderstand him. And I know this because you watch nature documentaries, and they say, you know, the, the, the reptile wanted to do something, and so things changed and started happening, and then in order to fly, it wanted to care for its young. So you always imagine that the, 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 the organism is somehow yearning to change. Yeah, That's actually not Darwinism. I think that's how we think of it, because we're Americans and we always feel, right? Somewhere, math there's destiny. an agency somewhere, right? But, I, but, but Darwin's very clear about this, that the agent for change in biology is never the, the individual, it's the environment. Yeah. And, and he even makes a state, any change that happens is because the environment creates such a condition that it selects the successor. So, so you've got fast gazelles and slow gazelles, Neither one of those are better per se, Yeah. but they're a fit for the environment. So when the environment changes, yeah. so, so let's say the environment in now is such that there are no predators around those gazelles, then the slower ones will probably live longer because they're, they're more at rest, they're not stressing their bodies out. Now a lion's introduced, and the environment changes, now all of a sudden the selection is the faster gazelle. And here's the important part I can get this. Once you close the lid on that box top, what you have to say is anything that happens to the individual or society is the result of a series of external forces acting on that. So now, let's take the magic wand then of Darwin and say we've got a problem over here with crime and we have to say, there can't be something transcendent involved. The question is, this organism could have been good, this organism could have been bad, this organism, but the environment around it is such that it's turned it bad or turned it good. So moral qualities, and this is really important, moral qualities become really matters of fit or not fit. Yeah. And that's really important because Christian always has this general idea that there's a, a lying is wrong, right? So there's a transcendent force at work. And you say, no, just murder is always wrong because it violates this transcendent standard. Once you accept the Darwinian cosmic imaginary, really, then morality is really, does it fit the environment? And if the environment is such that lying fits, lying fits, that's the environment's fault. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So crime, if we're going to use a human example, is the result of a society that's forced people to the degree that they've had to commit crime. Yeah. So what's the ultimate solution to the crime problem? is not an individual spiritual transcendent problem, yeah. it's an environment problem. It's, it's all, then it's all social structures. It's social structures. Right. And whether we get to that in the modern time, we're more nuanced about it, yeah. that's exactly what Darwin and Herbert Spencer, we're not talking about Spencer here, right. Right? but right. founder of, of sociology. He takes the Darwinian principles and he goes, I can explain the lizard evolving into a bird yep. the same way I can explain the middle class evolving into criminals.
1: And, and in some ways, we've not gotten beyond Spencer. Oh, I don't think so. Right. No. We, we still talk in that way, as a, at least in the West. Right. right? We still talk in those... You
0: Christians spaces. talk that way sometimes too
1: much? They do. Yeah. They do. And I think the, the probably a more Augustinian answer would be, yes, Spencer, yes, Christian. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, you, you have systems that do things to people. Yeah, we admit that, sure. Yes, that's true. But the reason the systems are that way is because of the fallen individuals of that's humanity, true. right? It's, right. It's, so, again, you... There's your Augustine. It, it, there's my Augustine. And, and, the, and what, what, in some cases, what Darwin allows people to do is take the problem of evil and make it material. Yeah.
0: And contextual, there's no,
1: Yeah, there's no transcendent reality to this, and it's evil because we now decide
0: this is evil. And Right, so, so, let's, let's, so let's go back to your previous comment, which I think is really insightful, and say when people have this situation where the social imaginary breaks. So if you're in World War I, which I think is the time when this unleashes popularly. I mean, a lot of the Freudian ideas, anyway, unleash popularly. You're going to have to explain this World War I somehow. you got these people who are supposedly the noble people in the world that become the worst murderers. How do I explain all that? Well, I think I explain that Satan got a hold of someone, right? Or demons are creeping around or something God is judging. Or I have to say something in the environment of the 1890s and the early 20th century, the massive forces of industrialization and modernization pressed on people. So now, as you say, let's reverse engineer how do we fix humanity? Yeah. We, we can't deal with this in a spiritual way. We've got to deconstruct the material world around them. That's right. And that's the only way we can fix them because that's all that's at play. Yep. And for Darwin, what he's done is that this massive complexity of the universe really is only the result of external forces choosing what happens to individuals inside that, whether that's a galaxy or whether that's a, a plant or a lizard. And that therefore, this material cause is the entire source of change, development, progress. An explanation.
1: And I think, too, if you're going, if we're going to say something that the cosmic imaginary changed when the old cosmic imaginary no longer seems to be answering the questions right, we're right. raising. Another way maybe we can look at Freud's success is his ability to help people with PTSD yeah. and shell shock. That's right, he gets
0: real, I think. Right, I think exactly. Austria,
1: yeah. So it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, to this day, we're not denying that talk therapy is a good thing. Mm. We we still do it, right? Uh, and he's getting results in that way, in that space. And so then you start to well, maybe what is he saying about some of these other things? Yeah. So it's the it's the it's the effects of the war yeah. on some people, and all of a sudden, this person has some 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 answer. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Other than getting hopped up on opium and alcohol and doling yourself, <laughs> right and which is what happens in a lot of wars before this and and again we're we're also talking about the first modern war we're seeing injuries unlike anything you would have seen prior to this i mean i just can't imagine the nightmares you would have being in trench warfare and also too the meaninglessness i mean that's a turn that is something that is just prevalent i mean all quiet on the western front that book just just you know so it's so it's the situation on the ground that opens people up, but in this particular case with someone like Freud, he's actually having some success with some of his ideas, that's right. That's right.
0: and then all of a sudden some of his other ideas, all of a sudden look palatable. Well, I think you're right, and and the the idea that, you you know, and we we've done this, you know, in the West, you know, Martin Luther says we're you know humanity in history is like a man that's drunk and falls off the horse on one side, willing to get up and fall off on the other side, right? So. So on the one side, we fall off in the sense that we try to explain nearly everything that happens in the moral and social sphere as a result of individual failure or transcendent influence, right? So God is saying, we were talking about Billy Graham, that there's a tendency sometimes in Christians to say, if there's any problem in the world, poverty or hunger, get saved and and that'll go away. We reduce it down to something. What we used a phrase for it um, as ifism, if only if onlyism, yeah, and I can't take credit for
1: that. I got that from a buddy of mine. Oh, here I was getting here. no, no, no. no. I mean, we, but there's, there's, uh, there's. The, you're right. There's this if onlyism that I think Christians, yeah. non-Christians, yeah. can fall fall prey to. Um, it, it makes me think of what we do to students in our class. We're like, if you ever come in with simple ideas, we're going to disabuse you and show you how much more complicated <laughs> exactly. this is, and Maybe that's because we're a little more Augustinian. I don't know. <laughs> right, but right. there is a tendency, and I think that's, that's, there's a security in if only sure. Because you're like, if only this, right. man, that would, that would
0: really, right. we, it's now manageable. Right. And this is exactly, I think, where Freud gains his, because the, the progress of Freud to go from, and this is really intriguing in his own development, which would have happened now in the 18, probably 1870s, 1880s is that he, he came into the science field through medicine mm-hmm. and he was studying physiology. Because yeah. at the time, the, the only causal features you can see are the body. Well, if you work a joint too hard, right? So, so they're starting to deal with this idea that of energy and how energy flows through the body and it's causal. So ache is not just a judgment from God. There's an actual causal connection back through a more complex body. So so to go from physiology, which you can see works in that causal space, that it's an organ that's being pressed on from forces and nothing things, that you start to ask, so if that's how the knee work, why is this person's emotions out of whack? Well, if you've got a broken knee, it's because a blunt force to it caused it. Why do we have someone that's that's going crazy emotionally? And you could say, well, there's a transcendent source. There's a lot of sin in their life. It's demonic possession or something like that. But what I think Freud starts to say is if, if we could imagine that everything going on in the human mind and soul, which is wildly complex, is really only the result of forces pressing on that person yeah. from the external environment, yeah. then we could actually unpack whatever a person's going through, find the physical force that's had that trauma, address it, and return the person to normal normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you now take the way that Darwin, I think, takes the complexity of a design world and comes up with a magic wand called natural selection. Freud, I think, comes up with, the, with this wand of repression, yep. largely. Yep. Um, the idea of the id or the ego, these yep. parts of the interior that you have no control over. So, you could say, well, I don't, that's not true of me. I have this brilliant idea. He'd go, no. Down in, you've got these parts of you yes. that absorbed this a long time ago. That's right. And, and it's intriguing because he actually uses the word "hungs Kuhn Makes this point. He uses a lot of parts of the psyche in terms of energy. In other words, the body absorbed some trauma. Yep. You were young. Someone said something. You wanted to have sex with your mother. Whatever the case, you actually had a very young 20, 20-something mom who was very beautiful. There's some, you know, some people speculate about that. But... If I see it here, it must and be... And a very the, overbearing father. And an overbearing father. Like. That's right. A little Oedipus complex. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, right. He was very sincere about his Judaic background. Right. So so if I see a problem here, let's let's say I see, Mark, you're struggling with something in life, whether it's you know identity or whatever. My assumption for this is something energetically happened to you at one point mm-hmm. that your psyche absorbed,
1: mm-hmm. and now
0: it's coming out in ways you can't control. Yeah. So if I can get back to that force and release that energy... Yeah. I fix the person. And psychoanalysis really is a way of saying the complexity of the human mind and heart are nothing more than physical yep. um, results, or excuse me, emotional results of physical reality. Yeah, And that keeps that box top shut. Yep. And I think agrees too with Darwin that it's the external forces, never you. You didn't decide that. It was what happened to you yep. that made you. And we're going to get back to those forces.
1: And then I think if we if we look at Freud, what, what, what he does, so it's not just the talk therapy, but he's also going to move into, in some regards, his, his decoder ring becomes sexuality. That's right. Um, and, and and even to the point where he, he's sexualizing children. Uh, and, and they're going through, even children are going through these right. sexual phases. And so sex becomes a very important feature of, how he understands what it means to be a whole human, That's right. or what it means to be a human with neuroses, is what he would call it. Um, and so, this uh, activity uh, starts to take on a lot more importance uh, right. in, in his in his science, in his thought, uh, and that part of Freud we haven't shaken off, right? Right. Um, that part of Freud is still
0: with us. Right. And I think, right. So, and the reason why, so there's another part of, um, he makes this very interesting argument. Um, you know, he has a book on World War One. He tries to explain why, he writes it during the war, I think it was like 1916, while the war's going on. He's trying to explain all of this. And what he says is, we have this thing called civility. Um, I think it's probably what he calls a super ego. We have this civility. We walk out in public and we say, hey... You need to be nice to each other. And we call this civilization. This is something that you see. We see a lot in, in Herbert Marcusa, right? Aristotle's mm-hmm. and civilization. Civilization, and we would normally say, civiliz- the height of civilization, peace and nobility, is us getting closer to the transcendent, right? And This is Aristotle's idea of the Republic, where yep. humans finally find their telos in community and all yep. of that. So you see it as a highness, right? We've, we've climbed out of the Muck and Meyer barbarism and farming life, and we've entered the village, and now we're mature. And we have a single civilization. How do you know? Because there's an opera on Saturday night and we all listen to cello concerts and that kind of thing. And what what he... So he says, if that's what everyone's been arguing forever, why were the civilized people the ones to destroy everything? And his argument, I think, is, is really interesting as it comes out of this Darwin idea. As he says, anything modern and civilized is artificial and will disappear. Anything ancient and instinctual will never disappear. Mm. And that means that what you see as savagery is not an odd anomaly to the human condition. Yeah. Savagery is actually the normal human condition which we've tried to suppress with the superego, right? Mm-hmm. We got this ego, then we got the super we want something that's not true for ourselves. Yes. Morality, sexual control, right? Peace. Yeah. Those are artifices we've created to get along with everyone else because we don't want to be seen badly. But those are artificial. What will always be there is what our Darwinian past has taught us, which is vicious survival wins. Yes. And so all you need to do is crack that superficial yeah. intentionality, and what comes out is the bubble. The real, the real self, right? The unintentional truth, this instinctual id area that finally just unleashes itself. So what he would say is, World War One is not an anomaly. Yeah. World War One is the normality.
1: Yet yeah, he he's not uh, he's not
0: a uh... He's not calling for chaos. He still wants civilization. Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. I, it's hard to say, and this, this is something you and I have to wrestle with, because Mark, I don't know where to go with this. Yeah. And, I, and it, I really struggle when I get to the critical theorists, and I think they're really channeling Freud at this point, is that they don't want the control of civilization, which they consider to be an artificial, yep. hypothetical, ridiculousness that lied to us and said it would give us peace and gave us world War I. So forget right. that. So if, and, this, and I don't know if I'm right about this, so you can talk me out of this. All right. But it, I think it almost. Do you want to lay see? down on the couch? We'll do some. Oh, yeah, hold on. I'm lay down. Yeah. Okay. We'll do talk do you therapy. therapy? Yeah. Yes. Get out your pad, Mark. I got to. Yeah. Some... let me get my Austrian <laughs> accent on. What's your thinking? Do you want a piece of, <laughs> of <laughs> swivel? Yes, I do. So, what, so it, I think where Marcusa is going to go, and I think where the critical theory is going to go, is the violence of World War One was instinct up against the tension of a false civilization. Mm-hmm. So when, and this is really intriguing, because think, Mark, about where we are now. When you tell someone you have to be self-controlled, you give the instinct room to become violent. Mm. Where if you pull civilization back and stop enforcing and allow the id to explore its own instincts, it does it without having to murder six million people in the process. Mm. So it's not that the id is bad, because of course he says there is no good and bad. There's whether or not the id has a chance to live freely, its instinctual life, or whether it's constantly repressed. And think of how many movies are this way, right? The bad guy is really was a good guy until someone repressed him. Yeah, right. So yeah. civilization is the enemy. The id is a potentiality. Yes. If civilization is pressed on the id, you get World War One. If civilization rejects its authoritarian control, yeah, the id lives itself out in a peaceful sense of sexual self-expression. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh am yeah. I, am I, I on? No, something? no,
1: no. It's it's no. I think you're right. I think. I don't think I have to talk you out of it. I mean, oh, okay. I think. That was good. Yeah, yeah. So I said it session. hesitantly on recording,
0: thinking the, you're the, going to tell me I'm wrong. The
1: session's over. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I felt better. Yeah, yeah. Much better. Yeah. That's so just you know, <laughs> see my secretary. Two hundred. What's bucks. the yeah, What's the bill on that? Uh, oh, yeah, on. whatever your deductible is. Um, but no, I, I think you're right. I think I think this is how they're trying to make sense of it, right? Mm. And I think for Freud. Um, now Freud, not not to the extent of what Marcusa and some of the critical theory are going to do with it, but sexual repression seems to be the, almost the the taboo, right. right? That's the worst type of oppression that can exist because of what it does to you internally. Um, but I, I think the I think a lot of these these scholars uh, and thinkers were kind of talking out of both sides of their mouths at times, and that happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you're attacking civilization with with one swipe. At the other hand, on the other hand, you're able to attack civilization because civilization's intact. Right. And your stocks are growing in the stock market to yeah, fund yeah, your yeah. institute. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's always that sort of... It's the same way Marx. Marx wants to talk as a materialist, yet yeah, he's got this transcendent idea that the part the proletariat should rule. Right, right. Where'd you get that from? Where did that come from? Right. Where did that come from? Nowhere in history. That's for sure. It, it, precisely. Um, to, I mean, to the point where the Frankfurt school is going to say Marx was wrong and we have to, we have to engineer revolution. So it's right, not going right. to naturally happen on its own. It, right. It's not, uh, going to do that. So I, I think you're right. I think, I think the, uh, the tension there, does Freud want to give up civilization? No, he sees its right. value to some extent. I think even Nietzsche sees its right. value right. And, and, but he has this sort of eschatology of, of some right. sort of change.
0: Um, but they don't have a
1: blueprint on
0: how no. to get there. Right? No, And don't you think that's an important piece? You're making a good point because if we, a lot of times when Christians are those with what I call a classical world, where we've got to transcend reality is the ultimate reality. You look and you say, "What is the postmodern after?" And that question has been raised in a number of Christian Bible conferences to which there's no clear answer, and the students really, I'm talking really frustrated. Well, just what does postmodernist want? And I always use this metaphor to help them with that. I say there's two ways to navigate a trip, and you could say, and where GPS works is a teleological method of navigation. Right? right? It knows the target, and then it says, "You are 50 miles from home. Your target. You're 25 miles or 10 miles." And no matter what turn you take, you're knowing by whether you've gotten 10 or 20 miles away or closer and you find the bingo land on target. There's another way to navigate where you could say, how far from home am I? Mm-hmm. So so I'm traveling from here to Florida. You're 20 miles from home. Oh, thank goodness you're 100 miles from home. Now you're 1,000 miles from home. Yeah. But there's one question that metaphor doesn't ask, which is, are you any closer to your destination? Yes. And I think what postmodernism does, and I, and I think you're right, this is where it becomes really hard to get hands on, is that... It's not really a clear picture of what ought to happen. No. It's a very clear picture of what ought not happen. Yeah, it's a reverse teleology. It is, right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's an inverted teleology. It's, yeah. great, it's a great view. Yeah. So the, the, the inverted telos is back there, and we're going to run away from that screaming at a million miles an hour. And the question you raise is, so... So if where are we going? going? If civilization's bad, yeah, where are we going to go? And the it is released finally. Yeah. Yeah. Where does that get us? Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. That there Darwin is... doesn't posit. He doesn't know. No. Freud doesn't know. No. I don't think the critical school knows. No. Nor do the him. No. Care, no. No. No.
1: No. Exactly. no. Exactly. I mean, that's the that's sort of the moment we're in, right? right. Where most people are deconstructionists, uh, right? And, and, and so deconstruction is not construction, right? So Marx did have a where we're going to go. That's right. Uh, Freud didn't Hero. sort of have a where we're gonna go, but he sort of figured out how we're gonna figure out humans. So you could say mm. Freud had a mm. he was more constructive. He wasn't just deconstruct or analytical. Yeah, Nietzsche was just a sledgehammer, <laughs> right? The critical school wants to be a sledgehammer. They don't want to build.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Frankfurt schools fearful of building. They yeah. they almost the way I see them in my head are these these um, stoic philosophers. Mm who just kind of roam around and tell <laughs> everybody <laughs> what's wrong with their... In their sandals. Theory. Yeah, exactly. Do they have togas in your head? Uh, oh, they yes, they okay, in, in my head, oh, and, sure, and, sure. and and like a bag of change, and and they smell, and, and <laughs> they walk in and they just tell you what what's wrong with everything. Right. Well, how would you fix it? Right. I don't know, right. but this isn't right. This is unjust. Uh, I can't. Right. This is unjust. This right. is, well, well, great. Uh, okay, I agree with you. Now let's 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 fix it. Well, I right. I'm not here for that. I'm just here to tell you this doesn't work. Right. Or, or worse. They might be very. It's similar to how the revolutionary oftentimes makes an awful leader,
0: right?
1: Right. They're very good at stirring people up down. and tearing things down. You know, Castro,
0: right?
1: right? Yeah. But then, who wants to live under Castro? Yeah. So it's it's one thing to have a philosophy that is good at critiquing. Mm. It's another thing altogether to say, okay, now that you've taken this apart, now how are we going to put it back together? Right. Right. And. I, I had a I had a professor when I was in my second master's degree and, and he said, You're gonna notice something as you move into the academy that you're gonna find yourself reading a handful of the same scholars over and over and over and over. <laughs> it's true. And he said the reason for that is there's very few there are very few scholars, thinkers who create systems. Yeah. You know, Augustine created a system, nice. Plato, Aristotle, they're systems of thought. Most people, most thinkers, they're a critique, or an application, it's an application, and yeah, maybe yeah. they added a wing to the system, <laughs> right. but very few people think in that, have that sort of system way of thinking. And so that's where I, you know, so Marx is somebody who does have a system, right? It's a, I'll give him that. Um, Freud doesn't have a system. Nietzsche doesn't have a system. Uh, the Frankfurt School doesn't have a system. And in fact, where we're at now, our thinkers today, they're not systematic thinkers. They are, it's as if we have a society of demolition crew. Yeah. And they're here telling us where all the problems are. But I've yet to meet somebody who who thinks, well, how do you solve this? Uh, In fact, I mean, in some... With spaces not all but it say you take critical race theory mm. there is no solution like yeah. you will always you and I will We're always be racist right. there's no way to solve that right and yeah it's it that's it it's right. it's it's set right and and so that's like oh okay so this wall is going to stay
0: Nothing out of true is, but isn't this true and this is this is yeah, and that's a good thing to see because I think what what ultimately is even as a philosopher you want is you want a, you want a critical approach, a critical ability to say, yeah. hey, we say critical thinking. I'm not to hip on that term anymore, but you need to be able to be critical of things. That's one set of skills you do need to have. And sometimes I actually agree with Marx's ability to criticize things. Like, well, that's a good criticism of in industrial England. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, Critical theory, critical theory is saying, hey, there's a real problem with race, and it's not just a slave. It's also a system of employment going on in Chicago or Detroit. Yeah. You go, okay, that's a that's a fair critic criticism. And I'd say it's the students, I'm happy to take the critical theorist on their negative approach. They yeah. say what's wrong. I don't agree with any of their solutions to the problem. Yeah. Right? So, 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 so I do agree that's a problem, but declaring society racist and enforcing that reality actually doesn't solve the problem. They've done a good job of indicating what's wrong, yeah. but they haven't but I don't trust them for the solution. I think and I think you're right, even as a philosopher, not just as a Christian, as a philosopher we have to say, you need to have both parts of this. And I think what since Freud we have in a lot of ways is we've got this um, this uh, way of this this way of analyzing problems and finding the root causes of them in a way that empowers us to say, yeah, we're right, so much that we're blind to the fact that no one's coming up with a solution to the actual problem right. that we're right. facing. And and I would say this about Freud, and I think you're right, he's not a system. Maybe we put it a little differently. He is a he's a he's an analytical tool. Mm-hmm. And, and he creates, by, by getting Darwin in the, in the biological sphere and applying it to the human psyche, which is even more profoundly complex in the biological world, he gives us a tool we can use there, which now becomes the favorite tool, right? I mean, so we've talked about this often. Yes. To a man with a hammer, everything yeah. is a nail, yeah. right? So there's a screw. There's a light bulb. Oh, I know how to fix that. I got the hammer. Light bulb's out. It's all right. I got a hammer. I'll take care of that. Yeah. So I think Freud, in a lot of ways, hands this really dynamic hammer where I can look at crime, emotional problems, yep. relational problems, marriage problems, sexual problems, and I can apply the same hammer to all. That's right. All. So so when you've got, a, you've got a, an emotional problem, I got my hammer. It's called the environment, your instincts which were good and oppressed by a moral civilization and sexual oppression. And as long as I hit with that hammer, I'm going to solve the problem. And mm-hmm. the power that of Freud, and we have to talk about why this is the case, is that so many people find that hammer so useful in every situation. It's Shocking the education of the young to political policies, and they're all holding the same hammer. Called we've got to unleash people's self-identified instincts yeah. so that they can finally be free. And when they do that, we won't have all these terrible problems like oppression, abuse, bigotry, and hatred. Yes. And and and, and I think what shocks me as an intellectual story is I don't trust any idea that, <laughs> right? I mean, even I struggle with Christianity sometimes, going, "Really, can we really solve all the problems this way? I mean, isn't it more complex than that?" But there's a reductionism in Freud. There's a reductionism in humanity. Okay, maybe it's in humanity. I think it's a human. So it's just yes, yeah, it's just another. And thing. This is the lo- yeah. latest
1: yeah. flavor of right. it. Right. Gotcha. And, and so, makes, so Billy Graham sense. had it
0: in his own way. In His own in way, way right? So it. not that
1: I disagree with again. The German conclusion. No, no, no. But again, uh, go to Niebuhr. Right. Niebuhr was almost, you could almost, for fun, write a nice article on Niebuhr as critical theorist. Right. Because he was very good at finding the problems, but it wasn't so much there's a Niebuhrian system of... There's no way to
0: solve it. It's yeah, there's realist- a Niebuhrian
1: way of thinking. Right. But there's not necessarily a Niebuhrian solution because he begins with the idea that on this side of the eschaton, there isn't a solution. Right. That right. That's where he's Augustinian. Right. right. Right? That you're just not going to solve it. You will make what he calls approximate justice you'll make it and sometimes when you think you're making strides and you have what you believe to be just the the best of intentions you've just created a whole new set of problems that's right right. and 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 so he complicates that's right this for us and it's why i think a neighbor kind of went from being a socialist living through but then living through world war one world war two and the cold war to dying an ardent cold warrior
0: yeah right
1: so right. it's, it's, it's a very fascinating transition that this person makes right. and they live through this and opposed to, say, Freud and, and some of these Western continental thinkers mm. who think if you just get the system right, you'll fix it. Right. Niebuhr dies in 72, 73, no. at the end of the Vietnam War and, and the Cold War saying, hey, I'm against the Vietnam War because of this, but I'm not opposed to the Cold War. <laughs> right. And Interesting. Yeah. 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 Because it, it's complex.
0: Right. Um, I think this is where a lot of us as Christians, we Christian thinkers or classical thinkers, feel like we can respond to things like Freud or respond to things like critical theory. Not by simply trying to say, you need to get saved. And you do, by the yeah. way, that's what's important. But by saying... Well, we're not going to give an altar call. The <laughs> we could, but we, we don't have a guitar. And, I, I feel like and you we don't to have, not, have an anxiety I am, Yeah, I can't do it. Um, but it, it does seem like what we know, and I want to confirm Christians in their thinking this way, what you know is it's just harder than that. Yeah. When I when I deal with Marx, and I don't do a lot with Freud with my students, but I certainly deal a lot with Marx. And what I say about Marx, I, I don't even want to criticize Marx on his dialectic, and his materialism. I, I have major problems with all of that. But I just want you to feel that this idea that somehow the vast diversity and complexity of the human experience comes down to what you do for a job. Mm-hmm. You, Like, that's, and this is true, and you said it, this is true of humanity. There is something in the human that wants to take things and put it into some sort of simple formula, because finally you can go, oh, I think we can solve the problem. And this, to me, is what all of, this is what Israel does in Exodus. Yes. They they looked at the problems of the wilderness and went, oh, I know. If we get the right calf idol, who? And it's funny that when God sets things right with them, he doesn't just put them in a garden. He has them wander through the desert yeah. and the wilderness. So the real problem, one of the main problems I find in human history intellectually is there's this constant ever-driving tendency to take the complexity of reality and reduce it down to one idea yeah. and then use that idea. And God, God never subjects himself to that. Right. They, they, he is far more complex. He will not be hemmed in. I think of that, that, that little statement that we all know from um, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe when I think it was Lucy asked people, well, I don't know who Aslan is. And he and Lucy, and then the beaver explains, well, Aslan's a king. And she says, well, is he safe? And he goes, no, darling. He is not safe, but he is good. Yeah. And I think, you know, Christians, whether, whether or not you disagree with Freud, and there's lots of reasons too, when anyone tells you that they've got the secret, yeah. right, decoder ring to the problem, you've got to say, no, the human soul is too complex. We need a God more complex than ourselves, not simpler than ourselves. And yeah. I think this is where Freud, to me, has great power beyond what he ought to have, because he, for many people, has found the Dakota ring yeah. that seemingly can, if you use it, could solve every problem that the human psyche has. And we have to say whether or not his theory is right. That approach is ludicrous. Well, and but here's why I think it's it's seductive. Let's so
1: let's 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 shift to theology. Mm. Um, what is this? What is the you know what is the root of of evil, the fall, that's what we would say. Okay. And, and, and what happens in that space is what Adam and Eve do, what do they do? They, they, they value their autonomous reason, self-law
0: mm-hmm. over God's law, that's right. over God's That's right, self-law over God's law. Right. Exactly right. Uh, and, and,
1: and so, and they got themselves in quite the pickle. <laughs> and the rest of And the we've problem. been in the pickle. And, but what these do is this they provide you with the ability to think you've got it solved. Yeah,
0: that's that
1: right. you're, again, you're using your autonomous reason to try to solve the problem, and even that is too simplistic. Yeah. You don't realize just how complex and messed up things really yeah. are. And, and I'll say this, there's, there's another side of this too, and this is, this is a, a sort of a, a swipe at Christians, to throw up your hands and say, well, there's nothing we can do. Right. Right,
0: you're still called to work for the good of the city. Right, so can we? Can we? Can I go one step further in that? Because let's 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 end this where we typically end these talks. Is how do we negotiate these as Christians? Because I, after all of my criticism of Marx and Freud, and together we've done that, I think there's a naive way to handle this, and that is Freud is all wet. He's evil. Yeah, awful. Marx is too. If we're going to negotiate this honestly, and here's here's where I think a good, where where a Pauline approach of things. I've, I've walked on Marcel and I see all of your gods. I recognize them. Yeah. I just think you've, you've missed the key point here. I don't think that the gods of Freud are actually all that wrong. He's, yeah. he's added something that we can't deny, and that is, and we all know this, and you said some churches don't want... De- we've got spiritual healing. We're not going to go in for any of that psychology right. stuff. That Marx, Darwin, and Freud have shown us, and I think legitimately so... That the human being is to some degree, and I'm gonna be very careful how I say that, to mm. some degree the product of his or her environment. Mm-hmm. And 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 we don't want to throw all that out and go, no, everything that happens to an individual is their moral fault. Because yeah. that's how we used to be. Oh, you're poor, that's because you didn't work hard enough. Yeah. You, you don't have any chance in life, that's because you don't want to get an education. Your morality is the reason, or immorality is the reason for all this. Yeah. I think if we're gonna take them seriously to some degree realize that general revelation and common sense work here, that we have to say, okay. They showed us something here that's useful. I want to take just the pinch of truth common there, grace, a little common grace here and say, you know what? Sometimes things happen to people that they don't even aware of that influence the way that they become. Yep. And I think that's valuable. So if we're going to negotiate, because we use that word a lot, we're going to negotiate this. I think that's one part we have to yep. negotiate with and not simply just reject. Because it's a reality. If I'm going to help some, a poor person in the city or if I'm going to help my family member who's gone through something, I have to recognize Yes, the external world has put some pressure on you to make you this way. Yeah. And so I have to deal with that. We can't simply ignore it and say, I'm going to, I am going to pray for you, but I, I have to also deal with this real problem. Right. 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 So if we negotiate, we say, but then, now let's go to the other side and say, and maybe you can help me with this, Mark. At what point has the cure become a poison? Because right? yeah. any poison in a small yeah. dose is yeah. helpful, and it hits a dose point where it becomes poisonous. And I think Freud is this way, as Darwin is, I'd say, we'll save Darwin now. Freud, in a very small dose, is actually quite helpful. But it, to me, very quickly, it becomes a deadly dosage. Yeah. Where Where do you think it goes from being a healthy help to a real danger?
1: I uh, I would I think, and I'm going to get real philosophical. Do it. It's metaphysics. Okay. It's 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 you're you're, you're not just critiquing the problem, you're now telling me what being is mm. and what telos is. That's right. And as a Christian, those are already set. Mm. <laughs> I can't negotiate those with you. I can't mm. negotiate telos, and mm. and being mm. and sum and bonum. And so it's one thing to say this is wrong, da da da, but Marx has a sum and bonum. Freud has a sum and bonum. Darwin has a sum and bonum that are antithetical yeah, to the that. sum and bonum of Yahweh right. for, for his creation. Right. So that's where I think I, you know, it's... So are you always
0: drawing implications? Is that what you're doing when you're yeah, looking I mean, at ideas like this go... Are you constantly, are we doing this? Where you, you take the idea and then you look down it and see where it goes. Yeah. And the minute it hits that threat, you go, okay, that's, that's as far as this idea goes.
1: Yeah. I, some ways, I, can, I, can, I think what some of these stories, what they do is this. I think the appeal of Marx, the appeal of Freud, the appeal of the sexual revolution, mm. in some cases are a barometer of issues in the culture. Yeah. And, and, and some of them are, are real things mm-hmm. that Christians should even look at and say, this is bad. Right. Uh, but then it keeps going to go, yeah. right? So uh, I can listen to a critique. Again, I think that's where these guys are very helpful to us. And, right. and I think right. our mistake as Christians is to say, oh, they're wet. we got nothing to hear right. about. You know, better dead than red <laughs> and, and be done with it. Instead of saying, well, what do I need to hear? Mm-hmm. All right, Marx is saying this is Okay. I got that. Yeah. And, and, and then, but then it's like, okay, hold on a minute. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing I got to do with Plato. I have to do with Aristotle. It's like, yes, I, I like the fact that you're transcendent. Yeah. Yes, I, I I appreciate that. Right. But your doctrine of God, I would never accept. <laughs> right, right? right. Your, your good life. You know, I'm not going to go live in Plato's Republic. you doctrine of salvation. You exactly. So, so that's where I think is a helpful thing. And I think, uh, as educators, when we talk about trying to help students and 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 in the church because mm-hmm. we're churchmen to help Christians have a Christian worldview, what does that look mm-hmm. like? What it means is that you're able to, one, because of common grace, read a Karl Marx and not get converted, right. and 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 decide to you know move to Cuba, <laughs> and. I'm not even sure they're commenting. I don't this, think so. I think I say
0: Venezuela maybe. Yeah, Venezuela
1: and and, and, and you know, that. But you're you're uh, so you're able to do that. But you're able to critically or should I say biblically critical <laughs> and th- there's a new book called right. Biblical Let's Critical Theory, ahead. and that's what this person is getting at, is that there is a biblical critical theory, and that's what this is. That that I can look at this and say, hmm, yeah, Mark, you're right. This economic system is really a mess. This is not good. Right. And we do need to look for ways in which we're living out the minor profits in this situation, right right. Yeah. right. Um, and, and and try to try to uh, ameliorate that, but then to kind of go where sort of the where's the good life,? Right. Where's the tell to right. this? that's where I think these guys get right. in trouble, because what's happening is this: maybe humans have the ability to find out, to understand what's wrong in their environment. Mm-hmm. But only God can give you the telos. That's right. That's right. That's, that's very optimistic of you. And and so... There's a special revelation here, right? Yeah. Only be... God can provide, yeah. one, the telos of creation. Right. So right away, I can't go with Darwin and those guys because yeah. they're materialists, because I believe God has a telos for creation. Right. And he also has a telos for us, right. and therefore, it's one thing to say you're, you know, you're right, Marx. This is wrong. Right. Uh, Nietzsche, you're right. This is off. Uh, Marcusa, I don't know if I can actually say, yeah. Marcusa. You got it right. to what you got but, right. But you know, sexual revolution, Fine. second wave feminism. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. Some of this is not right. This is wrong. I get it, um, but. Where they want to take it, where, where, where now they want to now define
0: right. the good life and the telos, that's where things get thrown off. That's great. And I, I think you're exactly right. And, and I hope people hear what, what you, that means you need to have those as vibrant ideas in your mind. You have to have yep. those articulated and clear that that's the filter for which I will go through to look at whether anything's valuable. And, you know, you always have a, a lens on you. If you're a little kid and you were looking through a box and there was gold and chocolate in it, you'd take the chocolate and leave the gold. If you're older, yeah. <laughs> your lens changes and you go, you can have the Hershey's bar. Yeah. I'm going to take the gold. And and so if, if as, as Ling dince once said, if you don't have the end of the story always and ever in your mind constantly, then it's having no impact on the way you think. And I think she's right about that. Yeah. So that's a helpful one. Let me add to that. I, can, I, can I add to that?
1: Because when you say go to the end of the story, it's one of the reasons in some classes I always end the class reading Revelation 21 and 22 right. because... Notice God's not solving the problem with Marxism with Freudianism with this in the end He's resolving the problem by he is wiping away your tears So it's not as if the biblical story story, doesn't admit there is a problem. It knows it in spades, right? its solution is In keeping with the creators tell us for the creation Including us that's right.
0: That's right exactly right and so, and so if you don't have that articulated, if you exactly. don't spend some time in Revelation 21 and 22. And here's something you said a long time ago to me, which I thought was really helpful. And that is, and, and that you've used the term onboarding. And I'll, I'll go back to something earlier you said in here. Because if, if we say for a minute, yeah, you know, Freud explained some of these things really well. Like people are having emotional problems because of World War I and because of um, shell shock and all this. And Freud was able to show this isn't someone going crazy or a demon. This is because he had an experience yeah. that if we can unleash the energy of that experience, and, and that worked to some degree. So here's the onboarding problem. You then say, ooh, what else is he right about? That's it. Right? And so ultimately down the road, you it's, it's a slow creep, and we've seen it happen among a lot of Christians. Well, I don't like someone being treated badly. Well, they're gay when they treat treated them badly. Well, then we shouldn't treat someone. And all that's true, but then a slippery slope comes where what you've inadvertently done, and I'm going to use our other terms for this because I think it's the same, and if you agree, I think you will. The subjection comes when you don't know what you've done is you've actually altered your cosmic imaginary in the process. Yeah. Yep. Because you said this is true and I think what that means for us Mark and for our listeners is that we have to be in scripture all the time not because it keeps us from seeing things that are true but because it reminds us why they're true. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I think I think you know you can get bogged down in a small truth and go yeah I see Freud's point here. If I don't have as you say the telos and your cosmic imaginary always in mind then what I will do is I'll subject all of that inadvertently sometimes, Yeah. to this theory I see working until sooner or later, little do I know, I've altered the entire way I view my universe. Yep. And then at that point, you start to wonder, so why do I need a Jesus? Like this dying on the cross thing is, is sort of stupid, I've got it solved now, because i got my repression taken care of, but yes. th- this happens, and, I, and I, I've often said to Christian students, you'd be very careful because and you see this true of all of the people, people of Israel in the wilderness. You see it true of the apostles. Even Peter struggles after he, after, after he goes on. He saw the resurrection, Yeah, Mark. He witnessed the resurrection and crucifixion and still refused to be seen with non-circumcised people after he's the one that introduced the gospel yeah. to it in Acts chapter 10. Yeah. So, so the point is we have to be ever on our guard. And I, what I mean by that, Mark, and I think you would agree, is not that I'm on my guard to fight everyone against me. I'm always on my guard to make sure my heart does not slip into idolatry because it's found what Paul warned us about, which is worldly theories and ideas yeah. that get us caught up. And, and I think if anything that I've learned from studying the modern intellectual mind through modernism is there's something subversive and enticing and seductive about a key that can help us solve the human problem that we will actually at some point commit so much to it that we will get rid of our teleology.
1: And and so yet yeah, you're <laughs> in right. our ontology. And and, and 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 here let me let me let me let me defend Billy Graham for a minute.
0: Okay. Since we already beat him up. Yeah, we beat him up a little, where a little bit.
1: Where Billy Graham is spot on is this. Uh, recently I've been reading Thomas Boston's book, Puritan, on Union with Christ, mm-hmm. and he does this beautiful unpacking of, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches, this type of thing. And and this resonates with me as someone who was a landscaper for 10 years and, and actually has done grafting. Oh, neat, yeah. you know, I've actually done grafting. I can walk through a nursery and show you where the graft is. I can know where to look for it. I, I understand that whole, that science. And, and one of the, so one of the things that works in a grafting is you need two viable pieces. They mm. both have to have life mm. to do this. Now, you obviously, you're cutting the one. And so you quickly have but to get Exactly, exactly. But what, 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 what Boston is telling us is because of sin, there is no, there's no, no more, life in the ground. It, it's a twig. <laughs> it's a twig. It's like trying it's to t- graft t- a twig onto a really good root system. Mm. Um, and the only way that twig's coming back is through the supernatural grace of God. Right. And, and so as a Christian, any solution that's not concerned about that, Yeah. In some cases, it feels like you're just moving around dead twigs, yeah. right? And if yeah. I keep with the analogy. Right. Um, so, you know, the part of being a Christian is there, there's a supernaturalness to this. That's right. That changes you. And in the same way, if you tried to take, you say, I really love my my dogwood plant. I wish it had a root system like this. I'm going to graft it onto this root system. But the problem is you used a dead twig. You're not going to get anything. <laughs> going to happen. You're not going to get anything because you don't have the ability to bring back twigs. Right, right. Uh, And so I think there's something to that as well, right? Is that there is a reality that the problem is not just social things. That's right.
0: They're there. It's a spiritual reality. They're there
1: because it's a bunch of dead twigs causing trouble. So not a surprise. Not a surprise. But it does take that. So there's where Billy Graham is right and, and Niebuhr is off. The problem is, is when you, if only it, yeah. you know, if only you all became Christians and we that's got right. all these twigs fixed supernaturally, these problems would go away. Right. And you're like, no, that's not even scripture <laughs> because in scripture, the problems don't go away to Revelation 21 and 22. Right.
0: That's right.
1: And, and so I think that if that's a helpful way to kind of think it through, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean I can't learn from them because the one difference in this analogy with dead twigs is even though we are dead to sin, we're not completely dead in the sense that we can't still use reason. There's common grace. So there's where the analogy sort of falls off. And so that's fair. And and again, I even think that some of the concerns that someone like Marx has, uh, even some of the feminists have early on, is rooted in a Christian contempt for these desires. So, as on one side they're trying to deny, they believe any of that stuff. Right. On the other hand, even the Enlightenment is rooted in a Christian
0: worldview in the sense that it believes objective truth actually exists right. out there. Right. I, yeah. Can we? Uh, can I add one more thing? Yeah. Go this? ahead. I think. I think if if we we're looking for the big I, E, and I chart, what you just said is exactly right because the. The E and the I chart is this for all the explanatory power, and it's helpful, if it does not include that life is ultimately an unnatural, transcendent reality, yeah. then, then you're going to go down a road where humanity has always gone, and every time it goes down the road, it finds the same destruction it always has. There's nothing what, what Stalin and Hitler and Genghis Khan and Julius Caesar, they all knew if they manipulated this world well, we could get utopia. They, they all wanted the best. And the only way to get it in this horizontal world is through power manipulation. That's yep. it. That, that's where the, the Romans. World, that's where the world always ends, yep. right? So the big E and I chart is that you you have to exactly as you say, real life and morality is 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 alien to this natural world. Yep. It's transcendently handed down, and you have to start and end there. Let me add one of the things. I think what's what's seductive about Freud in this age is this concept of the id and instinct being the true identity of the individual. Yeah. And and that is compelling to people that feel repressed. If I if I think of my own life and I think I have this desire, I want to fly, I want to have a decent car, I want to do these things, but I can't because I got a wife and kids I gotta take care of, I gotta either say, you know, as Aristotle argued, there's a golden mean, that there's the middle of anything is the best, and therefore I'm gonna accept this as good by God's design, that I don't get everything I want, and that's fine, or I'm gonna to start to say, you know what? That's who I am. Yes. Like I am a person. So I'm not getting that car to fund a driver. Up. I'm not getting this. Then I'm being repressed and civilization is repressing me. And I think where Freud has had great power is it's looked at those irrepressible instincts that we all have. Yeah. And it didn't label them a problem. It labeled them your identity. Yeah. And I think for our young people right now in this world of luxury in this modern Western world, it is very easy to believe that this thing that's always with me, this desire I can't shake, this instinct I always have must actually be who I am. Yep. And ultimately, I'm willing to sacrifice this so my id can finally be what it's always going to be. And my separate ego, which is always trying to repress it, the longer you repress it, it's going to blow up into world war. Yep. So don't repress your, your id. You have to let it do what it's going to do. So I, I think that's there's good. probably a lot of ways where we got to think, yeah, there's things we can hold on to, and then there's things that become dangerous to the way we think. Yeah, think for That's well story.
1: Yeah. And, and to get to... You know, It's the glory of God. So. Uh, the Christian has to accept they're not created for themselves. Exactly. In that way, goes that's back really to your hard. main point. That's and, main and 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 don't don't be foolish and try to say, but you know, God's called me to be a pilot for the glory of God. So I guess I have to leave my wife and kids. Because people will do <laughs> oh, that, right? That. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, wait a minute, you you you're. you're you're you you fine trying to find God's glory in your piloting, but you've just destroyed God's glory and destroying your family right, to get there. Right, so right, uh, right. which one here? So okay, great. Thank you, Dr. Spanger I think that's helpful. And we will uh, we'll, we'll keep on the March, keep keep marching Korea. on. We have to move into the Frankfurt school. We're kind of really yeah, ready to look kinda, at some
0: historical context on World War One. Yeah. We're kind of ready to get I'm into clear. that I'm into clear. that movement that emerged. Yes. Wittgenstein. Yes.
1: Yes, we are we are there. Okay. Um and again I think it will help people not say, why did this happen? You're in a better place to say, oh, I think I know how this unfolded. How it. did we get to this place where we are? And, and, and this is why the social imaginary and the cosmic imaginary I live in is why it is right. and how we got there. And I think if you're a Christian, if you're going to engage in that, kind of, mm. in that culture, you have to know those things. Because right. if you just begin with, how did this happen? <laughs> well, that's already a posture of, 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 of negativity.
0: Right. So no, it's good. Thanks, thanks, Doctor Baker.